Today, Vanguard and BlackRock back away from ESG investments. The White House makes an incredible claim on Biden's handling of the border and Trump's Georgia trial will be televised for all to see. We've got all of that and more coming up and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and today mega investment management firm the Vanguard Group has announced it will significantly reduce its funding for ESG related projects. Having previously supported 12% of the ESG proposals submitted by shareholders in 2022, that number has now dropped to just 2%. This, of course, comes after fellow investment giant BlackRock made a similar decision in recent months, going from 50% ESG-related investments back in 2021 to just 7% in June of 2023. Now, both companies have emphasized that their decisions regarding ESG proposals are driven by their commitment to advancing the financial interests of their clients rather than political considerations. Huh. I guess it turns out making investment decisions based on political agendas rather than profit is not the smartest financial move. Wow. Now, this decision comes as a sharp contrast to the tune BlackRock CEO Larry Fink was singing in 2017 when he claimed the firm would force their agenda on companies. Watch. It's just you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race, or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting. It is development, as Ken said. How do you force change, though? I mean, Larry, BlackRock has, has really been the forefront of the ESG movement within, within corporate governance and a real leader. And yet change is so slow. So what is, uh, and, and Ken as well, what, how do you force change when it is so incremental and so gradual? Um, How do you do something more radical? Have you thought about that? Has the board of American Express thought about more radical things we could do to enhance diversity and inclusion? Because it has to be imbued in the culture of a firm. It has to be talked about, it has to be shown. Behaviors across the entire firm in every region have to be similar. And every citizen of the firm has to understand what is acceptable behaviors and what are unacceptable behaviors. Forced behavior changes. Okay, well, sounds like old Larry just got a taste of his own medicine. Here to discuss this and more, we have Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and founder and owner of Ripaverse Comics, along with Stu Bergier, of course, host of Stu Does America, which you can find on Blaze TV and also wherever you get your podcasts, along with YouTube. So make sure that you go subscribe. Um, so, oh, by the way, I would just like to go ahead and... Um, Many of you have been asking, why don't you go back to the Friday happy hour shows that you guys used yeah. to do? And Eric doesn't drink because he's a much better person than we are. <laughs> Certainly. But I thought that I would bring you, to my favorite new beer, Ultra Right. Ah. Of course, this is Conservative Dad's Ultra Right, 100% woke-free American beer. Um, this, my, my friend Seth Weathers' company. And oh, very cool. It, is, it really is actually good. Have you tried this yet? I have not. Okay. I mean, it's got the Bud Light vibe to the can. Like you'd say, like, you need an alternative to it's Bud Light. It's American. This looks like. It's American yeah, I mean, AF. This, I don't mean to say that the Bud Light vibe has now been stolen. You know, they right. stole it from the American flag. Right. Uh, right. It's actually no. an American flag, flag vibe. But. Yes, but cheers. 
Okay, sorry, Eric. Eric's just watching us. <laughs> that's good, though. Drink. Isn't that good? Jeez, it's yeah. better than Bud Light, that's for sure. It is. Yeah. It is. It's better than Miller Light, too. So, anyway, cheers go. to uh, to cheers. the weekend here. Um, so, it's fascinating because you see all of these uh, corporations, like financial investment firms, trying to diversify and go the ESG route, thinking, we're going to force this, we're going to force this. And, uh, oh, it turns out that... You know, people don't like you playing with their money like that when they know that it's not a good financial uh, move. Yeah. Um, look, I remember talking about this and I would read, you know, not only comments, but I get back pushback on people on this very subject matter that were, you know, I would say on our side on this very issue, because I would tell people to hold, just just hold up. You know, before we start advocating that government get involved in this affair and that affair, I was like, at the end of the day, an investment is exactly that. You hope to get a return. The best way to punish these people, if you don't see it immediately, the best way to punish these people is by withholding your funds. And it's really not withholding it because you, you don't really owe them money at all. It's that, yeah, you can't do that with every given product because some are based on maybe necessities. But others, there's a hundred alternatives to them or they're just, let's say, more more voluntary. You don't have to fund them. So that was the, my perspective. And I remember getting this pushback because, oh, well, they're doing this. Go Disney's doing this because the ESG fund. I'm like, OK, is that sustainable, though? And right, the answer is right, no, it was right. never sustainable. Yep. So even from BlackRock's own perspective or Vanguard's perspective, it doesn't matter how much they want something. If the product isn't getting a return on, on it or the corporate entity that they're trying to invest in isn't getting them so, some sort of return, be it ideologically or financially, they're going to pull, right. pull, you know, kind of scale back. And I remember first talking about it on the show when Vanguard was talking, or was it BlackRock that was talking about this earlier, kind of, oh, yeah, we want to kind of move away from this whole ESG thing. And I was sitting here like, I told y'all, just hold what you got. You don't have to get so, oh, well, it's these mega corporations. It's like, dude, we live in the technological, more advancement age. Information spreads faster than it is ever in yep. human history. So you see what happened to Bud Light. You see what's going on with Disney. That's unprecedented, man. You couldn't imagine. I mean, it wasn't what? Prior to 2020, not even three years ago, where we thought Disney we were making jokes and stuff like they're going to own the entire world, right? We, we thought that, that the mouse is going to own everything. <laughs> and now we're like, the mouse is like, we got to start selling off assets because we're not making money on these products. So that's where this all stems from. It's, the, it's them being punished economically. And Bud Light showed you that as well, is that I don't care what these idiots try to say. You have power. Individuals and groups, they, they have power. But it does take uh, a certain amount of uh, uh, discipline. Let's, let's call it that in order to see that come about. You, it's not going to happen overnight, mm -hmm. but just give it some time. Yeah, um, that's yeah, it's very true. I mean, the market winds up solving 99% right. of these problems. And now there's always a conversation about that other 1% and how you deal with it. And that can get uh, difficult. I, I, you know, I like approaches like this. Yep, right. Exactly Absolutely. right. Like what they do. Yep, they made a, exactly a really right. good beer that people will like to drink and they don't have to drink Bud Light anymore uh, because someone came up with a better option and right. we can choose that. Um, you know, I'm not a big boycott guy at all. I don't really like boycotts, generally speaking. Um, I mean, you know, you get to that point where you're number one, it's almost impossible to actually be morally consistent on this. You can't every, you know, every single piece of entertainment outside of the stuff produced by Eric July, you're not going to be able to watch. Right. Like it gets very, very difficult. And secondarily, I think there's a there's a an argument that like when you get into the middle of this, you're letting Bud Light or you're letting uh, Disney control your life. 
Right, like if you're constantly, like I, I said this to people when we were doing the NFL, when people were boycotting the NFL, I freaking love the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like it's enjoy, something I really, really enjoy. And if I boycott the NFL and take the enjoyment out of my life because Colin Kaepernick's an idiot, I'm letting Colin Kaepernick control my life. He's actually making decisions for me. And I've seen Colin Kaepernick's decision-making process. It's not very good. So I don't want to make any decisions for me. Um, I think with, you know, the this, if this is real, and, I, and we've seen some reporting on this, we're seeing it. I mean, I know it's, the story's true, but if this is a real recoil from ESG stuff, this is an unbelievable news story. I mean, it, these guys are at the very center of this. I tend to be a little skeptical as to what they're doing here, as to whether there's another effort, they're going to hide it in another way, they're going to do something here, because they have been, as you played in those clips, so dedicated mm-hmm. to making this a reality that people don't make those choices. A lot of these people involved in this stuff do not think you are able to make your own choices. They have to micromanage your life for you. Um, if this is real and this, and they are actually stopping this, and it's turning into one of those things that people run away from. We saw that with like Common Core, for example. We had, conservatives had a big pushback. Libertarians had a big pushback on this, and a lot of people bailed out of it. They renamed it and tried to push it in other ways, mm-hmm. but like the brand became poisonous and being associated with the idea. That ESG, where you're, you know, you're focusing on other things other than uh, the best investment possible, if that becomes a terrible thing that they all have to deny, right. that's when we know we've made a real difference. And this, but this is, I mean, this is an incredible story. I mean, it's 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 movement that I didn't think we'd see this quickly. So, and Sue, you mentioned the the term boycott, which I feel like we make a mistake falling into the left's messaging when we even use that term. Because at what point does it become a boycott? Mm -hmm. Really, it's just you deciding where you want to put your money, which is not a boycott, I don't think. So it's it's hard because we fall into that trap of like, well, we're supposed to be against boycotts. I hear people say that to me all the time. I'm like, I'm not like, I didn't start a campaign, wage a war against this company. I'm just saying, hey, here's what they did. I want you to see that so that you are informed and then you can make your own personal decision of whether or not you would like to also give that company your money. And I don't think that that's a boycott. Yeah, at times uh, when I'm maybe more precise, I'll use the term organized boycott intentionally because like, I think everyone should be able to make their individual choices. Like I have not had a Bud Light that I can remember since all this stuff went down. And it wasn't because I was like, I will not have a Bud Light and I, I want to, everyone sign a petition to punish Bud Light. Like, you know, I just didn't want to honestly like, I didn't want to have a conversation about Dylan Mulvaney every time I have a beer. <laughs> like, so it was just like, that doesn't sound appetizing at all. Yeah. Um, so like people make those decisions based on their own individual choices. I don't like the mob mentality. That's what I, that's what I recoil against. I, I hate that. We used to get this when we, you know, we've been doing, I've been doing a show with Gledback for a while. So occasionally we've had some pushback from people. Um, and we used to get these like obvious form letters yep. that like, you know, it's some dumb, you know, media matters or some dumb organization would send out, it was so mindless. Like, you know, these people didn't listen to the show. Right. They didn't know anything about right. the show. They didn't right. know the context of what they're talking about. And they're all like viscerally against us for whatever reason. And it's like I, that mindlessness I hate. I hate that hive stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And that's kind of why I recoil against boycotts. But I think when you're making a personal decision based on something you believe in, 
That's just you living. Right. That's just your life. Exactly. That's not a, there's no word for that. That's just you living your life and making your own choices. Right, right. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you think back, you know, you brought up uh, what you and Glenn have experienced. And I mean, I'm, I would say, like, if a bunch of people decided to form a coalition and call uh, radio shows sponsors because they don't like something that they said, then you're leaning more into a boycott, cancel culture type yeah. mentality, right? Yes. Like, I'm not, I'm not calling Bud Lights, like, marketing people. I'm not, like, I'm not calling them. I'm not sending them emails. I'm not sending them le- form letters. I'm I'm just not going to give you yeah, my that, money. That will be what I t- call gay ops. And I'm actually dealing with some of those <laughs> issues uh, as well. That's more of what the left, let's say, does. Nobody, I don't owe these people a damn thing. And I'm, I'm very firm on this. So when I see like a, a company where that made it abundantly clear that they don't want my money got Oh, so I almost said something. Uh, <laughs> made it made it clear they don't want my money. I'm like, all right, cool. Right. I, I'm just not gonna right. give it to you. I don't. I don't. I don't owe these folks money. Like, and for me, it's not like I'm going out of my way to do it. It's like, hey, there's something I've rerouted my focus from there to this, and this is what I'm, what I'm focusing on. And I think that that look, this is the way of the future. Whether pe- people like it or not. Yeah, we had a, a day and age where people mindlessly just consumed everything, and it was all good. Now, I would say for better or for worse, I would argue. For for better because now people are paying more attention to not only where their dollar is going, but who it's going to and what it is that they that that person may subsidize with your bread. It's one thing for this person to say something or do something that I disagree with. It's another for this person to take the dollar that I don't have to give them, but I am giving it to them to then use it to despite or to spite me. Like that's a completely different animal and I'd be a damn a plum damn fool. And this is where I would say the left wins on this issue is that they don't fund us. Right. We fund them. Right. And then we sit right. up here and like we try to be principled about it. And I'm like, yeah, my principle is reciprocity. Yep. So when you've made it abundant, made it clear that that's the that's the rules of the engagement. Bet that. OK, cool. I'm not going to fund you. You we ain't got to fund each other. Let's talk about centralization. I'm all about that. Let's go ahead and do that. But we have to start acting accordingly. And I think that's what's happening with the BlackRock situation, with the with the, uh, with Bud Light, with the Disney's of the world, is that people are acting accordingly. And this is a better tomorrow. Like this is it, it is. Let's be. I just made six million dollars in a year. I made six million dollars in a year because I said instead of sitting here bitching and moaning about about what Marvel and DC's doing all the time with characters that I grew up loving, why don't I just create my own? And here I am, and that's what's happening right now. You guys are you, you're holding drinks that are testaments to that. Yep. So let's get on that. I'd rather focus more in like. But to me, the term boycott seems to make it makes it seem like I'm putting forth energy into that. Whereas so I'm saying right. reroute the energy to something that it can be more positive and we need more examples of that. And yeah, maybe the day of the mega corporation is done. I'm cool with that. Maybe there's only going to be these successes that are maybe to our degree. It's not more like, again, I'm making a billion dollars or something like the Disney's of the world. Right. What's wrong with that? Yeah. What's wrong with that? That it's more decentralized, it's more accessible than it's ever been. So let's put our energy in that. Uh, one more note. Dinner is on Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break. We'll be back with more. But we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So Relief Factor is there for those of you. There's like millions of Americans. You just live in constant pain. Maybe you got arthritis. Maybe you got tennis elbow. Maybe you got back problems like I do. But the point is, when you're living in pain, you realize that it affects every aspect of your life. Maybe you're, you know, you're less patient with your children and you snap at your spouse because you just always constantly have that nagging pain. 
pain. It doesn't have to be that way. Try Relief Factor, I'm telling you. It's worked for me. It's worked for so many people in the building, including Glenn Beck, including Pat Gray. And uh, it targets the inflammation in your body, which is actually the root cause of your pain. So it's not just going to be a temporary solution, just a Band-Aid. It's actually going to be the root cause that you're going to eliminate. And uh, 70% of the people who go and order this three-week quick start that they have go on to keep ordering more. That's how many people it's working for. So go to relieffactor.com, get the three-week quick start. It's $19.95, and you will know by that point if it is going to work for you. Overwhelmingly, it does for most people. So uh, all you have to risk is $19.95 and uh, could be life-changing. Relieffactor.com. Get that quick start over at relieffactor.com. I want to switch over to the border. So White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is just so good at her job, best White House Press Secretary ever, uh, claimed in a recent press conference that President Biden has done more to secure the border than anyone else. Yes, that you heard me correctly. Here is the exchange. Watch. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. Mm. He really has. June saw the single largest month-to-month drop in unlawful border crossing because of the policies this president put in place. Mm. We've got a record number of federal agents and officers, more than 24,000, working to secure the border because of the funding this president secured. We We brought 21 world leaders on the West Coast, as you all remember, together for the first time to ever to deal with this issue in a in a regional way uh, because you of the, the alliances problem. that this president has put forth. And we secured record funding for border security and management. And let's not forget, we expanded. We've ex- expanded the pathway uh, to citizenship under this president. And mind yeah, you, you, he's been sure doing did. this on his own. This administration has expanded the pathway to citizenship? The pathway of legal, uh, legal pathway, pardon me, the legal pathway uh, for migrants to enter this country. The legal pathways to migrants. To migrants coming. There is yeah. a literal pathway. Right, from the parolee program. Which That's don't have any, which don't lead to any sort of permanent legal. Well, it, it, it's a legal. No, you're right. I, I agree. You're right. It, it gives you a legal pathway to come in, and that's what that's what I'm talking about. Mm, to her credit, I mean, they have expand. There are multiple pathways to coming in the country. I don't know about legally, but there are many pathways now. You just you just literally walk right in. And uh, I don't I in reference to her talking about uh, more federal agents than previously before. um, Well, they're actually there to uh, undo what, you know, Texas National Guard is doing, which is actually locking doors, locking gates, closing fences, making sure that the border is secure. They actually are being hired to go to the border and open it back up so these people can walk right through. Uh, Yeah, I just don't understand why and I have to it's less about what that chick had to say <laughs> um, but and more of like you know talking solutions about it because yeah we recognize what's happening here at the border and, and you brought up a great point about this conflict between federal agents mm-hmm. and the you know Texas National Guard and I'm like is there something that I'm not seeing damn the uh, legality of it all but is there something that I'm not seeing uh, with regards to Abbott and just in general, why they're not telling the federal, seeing this as an issue, why they're not telling the federal government to go do something to themselves? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know, have the answer to. I don't know if that's 
if that's maybe crossing the line for some people. But at, at what point does that become permissible? I guess right. it's my question, because right. if you recognize the people that you've entrusted with this authority to deal with this thing that you are saying is, is, is impacting you and is a problem. Well, what now? Are you just going to sit there and let the or lack thereof action or inaction? Maybe it's more positive action negatively. And what I mean by that is that they're going out of their way to screw you over. So if that's how you feel, now what? And I, I have yet to really get an answer. Maybe it's that I'm not seeing it. So far as why are we not telling these guys to go screw themselves? Well, what's the what is the problem there? Or, or is it that we just want this to be a problem? Um, I want to throw into the equation here, you know, you did hear Karine Jean-Pierre make this, the claim that Joe Biden has done more than anyone else to secure the border, which is fascinating because I just saw a Washington Post headline yesterday that said families crossing the U.S. border illegally reached an all-time high uh, in August. <laughs> <laughs> She's been trying to walk this bizarre statistical line with this parolee program mm -hmm. for a few months now, and every time she's attempted it, she fails. Now, look, she doesn't know what she's talking about. To be fair, like every she's time she attempts most things, she does fail. She's <laughs> really bad at this job, really bad. And I give Eric a lot of credit for getting through that, that clip without a drink because yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was unable to do that. Um, it's, it's She's absolutely terrible. So and and to, to, to kind of step back here for a second, because I do have some very limited, some limited sympathy for some of these states who are not allowed to do anything about this. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, like Arizona tried to do this back in it was the Obama administration and they went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, uh, you know, sorry, but like this is federal government policy. And so you guys can't do anything about it. And it's like, well, what do you mean we can't do anything? Now, places like Texas and some others have found some things that you can do, um, you know, including putting buoys across the, the water. That was a, one of their uh, yeah. things. But what she said there is, I think, a really important part of the discussion that's going on in New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago, um, among other places. When you go back, re re rewind a year. You have a situation where Greg Abbott and uh, Doug Ducey and Ron DeSantis are sending up migrants in this sort of statement and buses and planes. And they're saying, hey, like you guys say you want them so bad. You say we hate them so much. Why don't you guys deal with them? And it was a statement and it was, you know, a bit of a stunt. And it's worked better than anyone could have possibly imagined in that like all these, you know, these blue state people were like, uh, we can't handle this. This is too crazy. It's, it's... And what's funny about all of that is it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Doug Ducey's no longer in office. There's a Democrat in office there. Uh, Ron DeSantis had the high-profile time about Martha's Vineyard, but really we haven't heard much since mm -hmm. about that. I, th I think Greg Abbott is still doing it at some level. Maybe a couple of other governors are. But the increase lately is what actually she just talked about. She's talked about... Um, we alleviated the pressure on the border by giving people new pathways to get in. That was part of the policy at the end of the Title 42. When that was going away, they knew they were in serious trouble. They knew they were going to have a flood of the border. So they changed the policy to make it easier for people to just fly into mm -hmm. cities directly. Don't come to the border. Just fly over, land at an airport, and we'll treat you there. You're spreading it out, right? So the problem doesn't look nearly as bad on the actual border, and they were to, able to avoid a big controversy by doing that. But all these problems are not just tied to busing by Greg Abbott, but are also tied to that policy change where people are flying from 
you know, Central America directly into New York City, landing there and being treated as if they had asylum claims on the border. That's a new thing. Biden put it in intentionally to avoid that controversy. And it's burning all these blue state governors, which I find to be delicious. Like, I mm-hmm. love the fact that it's mm-hmm. happening. But they do really have no recourse. They, they, they're they just going to sit here and whine about it. And honestly, as a state like Texas, who's had to deal with this problem times a thousand yeah. for so long, it's 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 humorous. It's honestly entertaining to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, I want to uh, go to Mitch McConnell here. So reports from Congress indicate that a group of Republican senators are convening a meeting to discuss the leadership of the Senate GOP following, of course, the second public medical scare of Mitch McConnell. It was very bizarre, uh, freezing up, that clearly some type of neurological issue is happening as he's having these events in public during press conferences. Um, So I want to play for you, just I don't think anyone missed it. I think pretty much everyone has seen it by now. But let's watch the uh, Mitch McConnell earlier this week just freezing up, seeming to have a medical event in front of a bunch of reporters. Watch. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. That's right. Did you hear the question, Senator, running for re-election in 2026? This is a woman who's very familiar with this happening. I'm sorry, you are working me a minute. Senator. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. You know, the irony of that coming after um, they asked about him running for re-election, of yeah. course, was when that happened, which was incredible. Um, and I want to play, I want to talk about this, but I want to play for you. I believe this was earlier today. Joe Biden was asked about Mitch McConnell. And, you know, we just heard recently that the doctors have cleared him. His doctor cleared him. I don't know how much money that doctor was paid. I imagine it was probably quite a bit. Um, But Joe Biden was asked about his thoughts on the matter. Here's what he had to say. Spoken to Leader McConnell? Yes, I have. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend. uh, um, And I I, I spoke to him uh, uh, today. uh, And... uh, you know, uh, he's his old self on the telephone. Uh, and, Did you just have uh, to read that? Having um, a little understanding of uh, dealing with uh, neurosurgeons and people, and one of the leading women in my staff, her husband's a neurosurgeon as well. What? It's not un- at all unusual to have the response that sometimes happens to Mitch when you've had a severe concussion. It's part of, a, it's part of the recovery. And so I'm confident he's going to be back to his old self. Wow. So I don't. You want to ask me about? That's the uh, that's the man that I want telling me. I mean, I heard it from Joe Biden, who could barely he stumbled through that entire answer. I think he was referring to notes. Now I'm confident that Mitch McConnell can lead. Joe Biden told me so. Yeah, neither one of those guys are in any position to make those types of decisions. But, you know, I, I have this, and I don't think it's too dark. It's just the harsh reality. When I see stuff like this, it, it really puts into perspective for a lot of people that look at this, the government, uh, be it from whatever branch you pick one, doesn't matter, whether it be the Congress or not. And they look at it as this this 
ever knowing uh, altruistic entity of people that have that, that are best suited to, to, to deal with the problems that plague this country. And it couldn't be any that couldn't be anything further from the truth. And this is an example of someone the president also speaks to that where they are not f- fit. And any rational person would look at that and say this person should not be in the this position of power to make decisions on behalf of perhaps millions of people. So it has a way of me being like, oh, man, that's kind of what you get, because I'm not the one that advocates for this system. Uh, Other people do. And they tell me that I'm the plum fool because I advocate what I advocate. And I'm like, well, you at least facilitate a, 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 a institution that has guys like that. And they are talking about them being reelected. Mm. So giving it another go for another couple of years. If that's what you want, I mean, that's what you want. But seriously, it should hit you and slap you in the face. Like something is fundamentally enough with the jokes. Something's fundamentally damn wrong with, with this system or whatever it is that you want to call it. Well, people like that rule over you. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute disgrace yeah. uh, watching that happen. And, you know, a lot of people on the left accused us of being all about politics when we said Joe Biden and John Fetterman and uh, Dianne Feinstein. And I'm 100% as confident saying uh, this about Mitch McConnell as I was about those people. It's sad. Like, watching that happen is really sad. We all know that that's sad. Look, we've all had times where we've been lightheaded. What happens if you had a moment where you're lightheaded? Gosh, oh, man, I feel lightheaded. He doesn't explain that. He doesn't say, gosh, I'm so sorry I paused for the last 15 seconds. Uh, You know, I I was lightheaded. It's obviously, he's he's obviously having massive problems. It's a disgrace that the Republicans have kept him in leadership even to this day should have happened immediately after that. The second time immediately should have been over. Um, and he should step down and spend time with his family. Uh, look, it's a sad part of life that you get to a point where that stuff starts happening. Should not be happening in the leadership of our government. And I will say, um, we have a, we talk about topics all the time where we might as conservatives and libertarians agree and but we're in the minority like the minimum wage for example we're in the minority on that argument in a big way even though i think having no federal minimum wage is absolutely the right policy term limits are among the most popular uh, items in our entire discourse I looked at a poll, uh, I remember a poll, and I quote it all the time, that 76% of people agree. It goes pretty similar between Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. Term limits are really important. And I was like, well, that was an older poll. It was from 2013. Has there been an update? Yes, it came out in March. 83% now agree. 80, what other thing can we say that 83% of the nation agrees on, including, I think it's like 86% of Republicans and 80% of Democrats. Wow. It is universally popular. I would love to see a candidate come out and say, look, this is the central plank of my platform. Like I, it would cure so much. And I think like to get these people on board, you might even have to exempt them. Like you might need to say to Mitch McConnell, vote for this. You can stay till you're a hundred, but whoever replaces you has to deal with these rules. You know, they voted on it back in, uh, in 2012, I think it was. And it failed 70, uh, 75, 24, something like that. They have no Cruz appetite. Seems to be the for only it. one that. Yeah, wants Cruz to push has been it. doing it lately. Yeah. Nikki Haley has mentioned it recently. I mean, Donald Trump campaigned on it. He didn't do anything about it when he was in office. I, I hope. I hope he. I hope he comes back to it because it's a it's a good idea. Yeah. Like Donald Trump has. I don't know if anyone's noticed this. Occasionally, people get divided on on, on their opinion on Donald Trump. Really? But this is something that he really can unite people. Yeah. Um, and it, bringing that to, to the to the American people and saying we will do this. This will get done. I will work really hard to get this done, because people talk about age limits. You know, Glenn has a big um, 
uh, uh, podcast that's coming out this weekend with Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz is, you know, you might agree with him, might disagree with him, but he's about the sharpest guy you're ever going to talk to. He's 85, wow. right? He's older than all, he's older than Joe Biden. And it, it, may, it blows your mind. It's not just age, yeah. but there is a thing that comes with being there for too long. And of course, age is also a major factor and health is a factor. Yeah. And, and these things, you know, you feel bad if you're that locked in to lusting for power, you're missing out on a lot of life. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for Mitch McConnell for caring that much to want to stay a minute past watching something like that. I agree. All right, um, we gotta take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yeah, like imagine. All right, yesterday, Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee uh, revealed that Donald Trump's trial for election interference in Fulton County, Georgia, will be live streamed on the court's YouTube channel. So um, this is the Manhattan Criminal Court, the federal courts in D.C. and Florida. uh, They don't allow cameras, I believe. and this one now is going to be allowed. Shockingly, I know you guys are all shocked that this was mm-hmm. the, t- the decision that was made after, of course, Adam Schiff said that he, along with a dozen of his colleagues, joined together. He said, transparency will be crucial in the trials of U.S. versus Donald J. Trump. It's why dozens of my colleagues joined me today in urging that these proceedings be broadcast for the public. If the American people are to accept the outcome, it will be vitally important for them to witness, as directly as possible, the full facts and evidence. Yes, I'm sure that that's the reason. Transparency has always been a hallmark of the left these days. They're all about transparency, except that they're not in literally anything that they do. Now, while of a sudden they want you to believe that it's just about transparency and not a public humiliation ritual. Well, and that's absolutely what it is. I mean, that's kind of how, you know, that's how these public kind of trial things, they work, they work out. Definitely when you get a lot of eyes on it, you're just going to get people that are going to evidence aside. I mean, it's more of they're going to take their shots and, you know, people are going to run with it in whatever direction that they're going to, they're going to run with it. Uh, ass. So I don't think that this speaks to like confidence that they have or transparency or I don't think that has anything to do with it. It's more like we, they want them judged uh, in the court of uh, public opinion. Um, it's almost as if this is about something other than really? his alleged crimes. No. I know. I'm, I'm out no. of on that one. I know. I mean, look, the mugshot itself, there's yep. no reason to have that mugshot. Donald Trump is the most, literally the most famous person in the world. He's way more famous than the Pope is, right? Like, yeah. he is the most famous person in the world. Everyone knows what he looks like. Everyone knows where he is at all times. There's no reason to do a mugshot. Um, you know, and it, it goes back to just basically this intimidation and embarrassment. You know, I think it was, I think it was Reason that wrote something about how we should never show any mugshots because it's they're occurring before they're convicted. And so you're, you're, you're spreading the word out there of, of this guy is really, really bad. He's being arrested for this thing. Well, maybe after a trial, that might make sense. You know, it's similar to uh, civil asset forfeiture. Like uh, you're, you're in an area where you're taking things from people who haven't been convicted of crimes. Donald Trump has not been convicted of a crime. He should not be treated as if he's already been convicted. That's, of course, what the media is doing. Um, and this is obviously a spectacle. It's the same thing as the January 6th trial. Like, or the, uh, the not this trial, but the, uh, whatever that, the, the committee was. Yes. It's like, Commission. as a person who watched January 6th happen and did not like it, I, do, I did not like that day. I don't like any right. of that crap that happened. Right. Um, 
I think there could have been value in theory of looking at January 6th and making sure we understood what communications were going on and, and who was responsible for the violence and all these things, because that stuff was real. Go back and watch, I, you know, after Trump po- posted his own um, mugshot on, on Twitter or X, uh, I scrolled back a few tweets. Look at the most recent video from Donald Trump. That video is a speech he made about January 6th where he's saying everything that they would say on MSNBC about it. Like, this was yeah. absolutely terrible. The, they sullied and, 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 and uh, defiled our, our, our capital. And they, he goes on and on and on about it. It feels almost shocking now because of the way that that has turned. And they've tried to use it against him. You know, the bottom line at the end of the day is they're trying to make this into um, something they can use against him politically. And there, there's, it's hard to see how people don't see that. But I will say this, and I think this is a crucial thing for conservatives to understand, is a lot of people don't see it that way. You know, you look at the polling on this and it's consistent over poll after poll after poll. The right says, this is a sham. Like the DOJ is coming after him, it's nothing. The left, of course, says the opposite. What should worry you are independence. Yeah. It's two to one, three to one that he's guilty of these things. You ask these questions separately. Which, which, uh, what is he guilty of? And they ask the four different indictments. There's almost no separation in these mm. polls. They're judging it the same way. They just think Donald Trump guilty. And if that either means that you have to be really worried about that going into a general election, or we have to recognize that there's a lot of work to do to get right. people who are in the middle who might consider Donald Trump over that hump. Because if they think he's guilty and they think he deserves to be in prison, they're not going to vote for him. Yeah. So there's a lot of explaining. It can't just be, oh, the DOJ is mean to us. You need to explain why not only is the DOJ mean to you, but also that you're innocent. You know, you, you need to have a good, strong argument to bring to the American people because without their votes, it's not going to matter how innocent you are when it comes to the presidency. You're not going to go back into the White House. I, you bring up, I know we got to go to break here in a second, but you bring up a great point about the mugshots. Um, it's just been so frustrating to me to see the left use, like, I think it was one of those Harry Sisson or whatever the hell those guys are that are like 20 and pretend that they're so passionate about Joe Biden, man. Oh my God, I love him. Um, and I'm like, how much are you getting paid? But he, he put up, um, I think it was Joe and Hunter and then Donald Trump's mugshot and was just like, Joe Biden's never had a mugshot taken. Hunter Biden's never had a mugshot taken. But that, like, would you rather vote for Joe Biden, who's never had a mugshot or Donald Trump and like shows his mugshot? And it's like, well, you're but you're literally proving our point, which is that the deep state and, you know, the DOJ, all of the, like, they've all been weaponized against conservatives and against Donald Trump. And if you're a, an elitist who is within that circle, that you're untouchable. But they think that by being able to use this mugshot that they're able to, like, make their point that he has a mugshot, therefore he must be guilty, which, to your point, is, like, could not be further from the truth. You sold me on that. I'm done. You've sold me. I did it. All right. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. It must be the beer. It must be. It must be the beer. That, no, that's... I never... All right. It's uh, Friday, which means we have another uh, Dear Sarah here. Well, it also Cheers. means that we're drinking, mm-hmm. but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys have not yet, Dear Abby's dead. So, uh, well, Is I mean, really? Abby's dead. God, you could have broken that to us slowly. Sorry. Well, I've, t- I've told my audience, so they're, they're aware. I'm really sorry, Stu. I didn't think about that. 
Sue's going to have a difficult time coming to terms with that this segment. Um, so if you need any life advice, you can't go to her. She's dead. You can come to me instead. You can do that by going to dearsarahattheblaze.com or emailing us at dearsarahattheblaze.com. Today's says, Dear Sarah, I have a beautiful little baby boy. I have heard about how dangerous some vaccines can be, but I am trying to figure out if some might be safer than others. The problem is it seems to be very difficult to find anything that gives real statistics. I've heard you speak about this a little and was wondering if you could give me some tips on where to find real data. Thank you so much and love you. Love you back. Um, So here's where I would start. I would watch the movie. I just spoke with the producer of this movie earlier this week, Del Del Bigtree. I would watch the documentary Vaxxed. Um, It is about a CDC director who turned into a whistleblower and admits that they committed uh, scientific fraud um, in a particular MMR study that the U.S. government did. I would also watch the Greater Good movie, um, which is a movie about the HPV vaccine. Um, I would also recommend some books. Here's one. Make an informed vaccine decision for the health of your child. A parent's guide to childhood shots. It is by Dr. Mayer Eisenstein. And what I love about this book is that it literally gives you um, the disease that you're vaccinating for, what the disease actually does, how dangerous the disease or deadly the disease can actually be, any potential side effects, you know, things like that. And then it gives you, of course, um, the other side of it, which is here are the potential things that could be adverse reactions to this vaccine. Here's how often they might happen. And so you're able to then take the information and really get informed consent on um, whether or not you think that this is a risk versus reward situation. Um, Here's another one, Dissolving Illusions, Disease Vaccines and the Forgotten History by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. And uh, here's one, Vaccine Epidemic. How corporate greed, biased science, and coercive government threaten our human rights, our health, and our children. So those, I think I can, that's a lot. So I'll just, I'll just let you start there. I've just given up their whole weekend. I really just gave her a a big homework assignment. (laughs) You did. That was was actually not nice of me. Um, But so for those of you who are, look, I mean, look, these are written by experts. They're just not government experts. So uh, you can see their credentials. They're right there. Um, and I think that it's it's important that we have a, a differing, you know, you get the viewpoints from experts of all realms, not just government experts, as we see how that treated us during COVID, just listening to the government experts. So we got a minute. Anyone want to say anything? Say more information is better than less information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making a cost-benefit analysis is important in every decision you make. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like read up or read, read all of it, you right. know. And I think that's a it's a good it's a good thing to think about as you're going through that. You know, we we think dealing with COVID, we just were told so often about the benefit and not about the cost. And right. look, you got to go look at both of those things and make a decision for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on really any given issue. Um, I think that's what the whole COVID thing taught a lot of people that maybe just going through the motions isn't the the and even if you end up at the same place right you know make the same conclusion right at least it's more informed informed consent is so yeah. huge and it's something that is severely lacking from um the medical industrial complex these days um all right we've got to uh, take a quick break we'll be back so All right, Elf brand cosmetics uh, lipstick ad at Walmart apparently showcases a model with a, you'll see a little 
mustache there. Just just a, just a little bit. What is that, a five o'clock shadow? <laughs> so e.l.f. is now the latest cosmetics company to very bizarrely decide we're going to um, market and advertise towards men rather than the giant demographic of women who are who is overwhelmingly the people who are buying our makeup. And the problem is there's no alternative makeup companies available. Gosh, you know? darn, there if was. there was only yeah. someone. Yeah, right. If there were. Uh, yeah. Can you think of any off the top mm, of your head? Let is me there... think. Put that picture back up. Mm. Put the Let's put the picture back up. <laughs> so I'm thinking if you go over to AmericanBeautyBySarah.com, oh. uh, you can find, let's see, um, Old Glory would be a great alternative to the color that's on the man over there. Um, we have, yeah, we have Triggered, which is a nice red to replace this one over here with the uh, model that's holding the lipstick in her mouth. I think we have a lot of very similar colors. How many dudes appear in your advertising? Have zero. You Literally zero. zero. No, no wow, men. that's hateful. If you have a penis or have ever had a penis in the past at any point in your life, you are not welcome to uh, advertise for our wow. company. The, yes. The sec that's sexism. That's what that is. I'm that's taking a, a strong right stance on that. This this make, listen, if you're trans or you're a man and you want to buy from, from me, I, I, I accept all forms of cash. I am a capitalist. But I just want you to know that I think that you're disgusting. <laughs> you and know, if you still want to buy from me, that's yeah. fine. You can go to AmericanBeautyBySarah.com. Most of the restaurants I go into after I eat there, they think I'm disgusting too, and I keep going back. <laughs> and you keep yeah. going. So. so. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for being here. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com/podcasts.